0: All right friends, hello. This is Jared here from the 20-sided gamified podcast. I hope you guys are doing well depending on when you are listening to this and what juncture of life you are currently in. I hope like I said, I hope everything is good. Um very excited about today's pod. I'm going to keep the intro kind of short just because as like I said, as soon as you hear who this guest is, you're going to know that this person is exceedingly busy. So we're going to um we're going to kind of get right into it. Um as a lot of you know um Nisaga 2023 is being held in St. Louis and like any good thing in life right um this particular interview came together very quickly a friend of mine who I had on the pod um you know earlier in i guess you could call season 1 um uh Dr. Steve O'Rourke he had basically touched base with me and all this sort of came together fast he sort of said Stonemaier games St. Louis, you know, Nisaga. like, have you reached out to this person? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Then I said to myself, wait a minute, I've played Scythe before. Then as soon as I went to the website, I was sort of said to myself, Jamie from Stonemaier Games needs to come on the pod. Like, need is the sort of keyword. And uh, he was so gracious. Um, We literally put this together over the course of like 48 hours. Um, so I'm not going to try to convince him too hard to come to Nasaga 2023. The focus of today's pod is really about his company. So a little bit more formally, um, Jamie from Stonemeyer
1: Games. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Jared. It's been wonderful emailing with you over the last few days. And sometimes I wait like weeks before the podcast actually happens. We just get to jump in and just no, it, I know, yeah, and, and
0: talk. This is great. You're exceedingly prompt, by the way, like as a person, <laughs> like I, I was um, just so... Please, because a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to get guests, like it could be weeks of like emailing back and forth. And sometimes, you know, you don't even hear from the person. So the fact that like we got this together so fast is just awesome. So yeah, I mean, I kind of just want to get right into it, I guess. Um, so yeah. Jamie, given um, I would assume that most people probably know who you are. I mean. In the same oh. sense of like, oh, yeah, yes, I most people
1: don't know who I am. Well, hold on. I'm just being honest.
0: Like you go into most game stores, like at least I'm selfishly, mm-hmm. I'm speaking from my perspective. I mean, I go to lots of game stores and I see your games all over the place. So, I mean, I would assume that our audience knows who you are, but let's just say they need a little bit more uh, information. Um, so could you tell us a little bit of just about how you got into gaming? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I have. Got into the gaming in two different ways. One was as a kid, my parents introduced our family to games. I have a brother and a, and a sister. And was, so we played games as a family and I spread that love to my friends. And so I was playing games, um, games like chess, uh, classic American games like Monopoly and you know Scrabble games like that. But also games like Key to the Kingdom. I got into Magic the Gathering when I was in my teens. I'm 42 now. So this was like early... Early 90s, when Magic oh, yeah. was taken off. <laughs> We're the same that. age, so I get yeah. it. <laughs> um, That's awesome. I put a lot of Risk. And, and so I got into games then. And then also, I returned to gaming in my 20s and got fascinated by the modern Euro games, like Agricola. I think Catan was the first, then Agricola, and then Fresco, and Dominion, and it kind of took off from there. And eventually, that led to me founding uh, Stonemeyer Games, my company, around 11 years ago.
0: Awesome, and and just in terms of a little bit more of your backstory, I mean, are you originally th- from St. Louis? I'm not.
1: I'm not. I'm like uh, you had a recent guest who I think is involved with Nessaaga, who is a transplant to St. Louis. Yes. Jeremy, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jeremy's um, a great guy. Yeah, I hope hopefully you get to meet him, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, like him, I am a transplant. I came out here to attend Washington University in 1999. which seems so long ago now. I'm doubting that date. But yeah, that's that's when I came out here. Uh, I I I live in I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, right outside. Oh, Richmond, OK. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: No, very cool. So here's a million dollar question. So given that yeah. I now know we're of the same uh, age, do you still have like all those old magic cards? Like, did you keep them or were you like me and got rid of them foolishly? <laughs>
1: I I kept quite a few of them. I didn't have any of the dual lands that came out back then. I think that was some of the more valuable cards. I yeah, got into a little it bit before our time. <laughs> yeah, just slightly before. If I got into it a year before that, I probably would have had some very very valuable yeah. cards. But I wasn't quite there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If my memory serves me right, I started playing around. Um, the the it was I think re revised, re revised the yeah. Ice Age. I think yeah. that was when I started my little uh, Magic addiction. Do you still
1: play? I do. I so I still love the design of Magic. It's such a yeah. like. It's amazing that they've had this brand grow over the span of like thirty years now. So whenever a new set comes out, I buy a bunch of boosters and invite friends over to just do a draft just for fun, and that's kind of my outlet for it. I used to play Magic online too much, yeah. and I think that consumed too much of my time. So I I have siphoned it into just uh, just <laughs> one draft per set, and that seemed, gotcha. that's a, that's the sweet spot for me. Well, yeah. Do you still I play mean, it all?
0: No, I don't. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those things. Look, again, I always try to avoid, to, to some extent, I try to avoid controversy on this podcast. Mm. But I don't know. Magic was one of those things where I think like, if we're talking about like game mechanics, if we're talking about playability, if we're talking about all of those things... I would really put magic up there with just about any game. Like, and when I, what I really mean by that is like any genre, really, whether you're talking about like an RPG or you're talking about collectible card games or board games or miniature war games or whatever. Um, now, that said, though, I think um, it was tricky. Look, look, I mean, I'll just be honest here. Like, I wasn't made of money back in the day. So it was like, you know, the idea of having to invest so much money to get those old cards. Because like, like, for example, dual Lands, right? I think those yeah. were 20 bucks a pop back in the day. So it's like me being like a high school kid with a deli job. Like, it, not that easy, you know? So I don't know. I have, I guess what I'm trying to say is I have kind of mixed feelings on it. You know, I will say, though. I think they've gotten a lot better, I, I, I think, in a lot of ways, in the same way that Games Workshop has tried to make it a little bit easier to kind of get into the games, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think they've realized, as many publishers as, as have I as well, that the onboarding of people into the experience of playing a game is so key. Like, how do yeah. you, how do you, like, they they created a whole online system just to help people essentially learn how to play Magic. And yep. some people only play Magic on that system on Magic uh, Arena. And some people that gets some people into the tabletop game as well, yeah. So I love thinking about that accessibility, inclusivity. That's yep. really important to to me as well. I see that in yeah. a lot of publishers these days.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel good because again, like you know, again, like given that we're we're of the same age, it's it's just nice what companies are starting to do today. Whereas back in the day, it was like trying to find the holy grail to kind of get into gaming, and then I don't know about you, but like you almost kind of didn't tell people about it. And now in the world that we live in. Everything is more accessible. I think companies are thinking more about who's playing their games, and there are podcasts now about games, which is just like, you know, you used to get beat up for this sort of thing, you know. So now it's like the opposite in a lot of ways, you know.
1: Yeah, I remember back in middle school, playing Magic was kind of embarrassing. I, I, I yeah. was happy when I did it with the people that I enjoyed doing it with, but we definitely like weren't bringing out those cards all that much at school. We'd go off into the corner and play. And now it's all I all I do is think about and play games and talk to people yeah. about games and game. And I. I I've I found my people, I think, to a certain extent, but I think the world has changed a little bit and accepted tabletop games, uh, and games in, in general, video games, um, simulations like uh, like with this, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, look, what I do... Anytime I have seminars, you know, where I'm kind of like talking to teachers about games and just like why they're such important cornerstones and touchstones for people, especially today. I just put like an image of Stranger Things up. Like it, like the, yeah. the biggest show in the entire world is essentially about nerd culture, which, and it's not, you can't even say that anymore because it's like mainstream in so many different right. ways, you know, which again, like, you know, as a simple podcast host about games, it makes me feel good, so. um well, the thing but, I always try to yeah, remember too is
1: that I think nerds have existed in different forms for a long time, but maybe just didn't identify them as such. Like there are, Sports nerds, people like I'm I'm a sport nerd for English professional soccer, like the English Premier League. I love following it. There are people that go way deeper to the stats. They're a nerd for that sport, even though we don't perceive them as you know, the the how how maybe we envision nerds in our heads. I I think everyone, I bet everyone out there is a nerd for something. And they go deep into that that thing.
0: What that makes me think of, again, is like being in college, you know, and like Mm -hmm. one of my best friends, like one of my roommates, you know, and, you know, he would kind of on our sort of like, I don't know if you ever played like any of the World of Darkness games, the Vampire, the Masquerade or Werewolf or anything like that. But, you know, we would play that once a week and he would always come by and he would always make like a little comment, you know, and then I Mm -hmm. would go into like his room and... It's like, oh, so you're pretending to be a fantasy sports manager and you're living vicariously through all these roles. And I always would (laughs) like make the comparison. So I get what you mean completely, you know. The other thing, too, I would say is like just in the world in which we live in. Right now, granted, there's an ugly side to this, too, but like in the positive side of things we can find each other, right? Like, whereas again, mm-hmm. back in the day, like, you know, again, it was almost like an Indiana Jones movie, like looking for the Holy Grail, trying to find gamers. Whereas now it's like, you can hop online and you can find people that, you know, um, have the same interests, which is, you know, again, for me, like in, in this conversation, it's a great thing, you know? So.
1: Yeah, finding um, those communities is so much easier now. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And,
0: I love that word too.
1: Um, like, there's
0: a great gaming store by me called the Tabletop Gaming Center. It's in Newington, so it's about I don't know, like maybe 40 minutes from my house. I would absolutely use the word community, like where you've got people from all walks of life. It's it's like a safe split space inside that store. Which again, yeah. like I kind of I had comic book stores growing up. Don't get me wrong. But there's mm-hmm. a different vibe today where it's like, when you go there, it's like, oh, these are my people and I'm safe here, which is awesome. You know?
1: Yeah. I have. I, I know that that varies from store to store. I think sometimes I think, I think stores don't do as good of a job of making people feel safe, especially a diverse array of people. But yeah. there are definitely a number of stores who really put that friendly and friendly little game store as well.
0: Yeah. And look, yeah. we know gamers too, right? Like sometimes you mm-hmm. get that occasional power gamer where it's like their whole identity and being is being good at that game. And it's like they will stomp right. anybody in their path, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, which can be really, you know, kind of uncomfortable. I remember that from my Warhammer days. So mm-hmm. um, all right. So, Jamie, uh, like again, I feel like we could go on and on and on about all these different topics, but I really what I really, really, really want to make sure the audience gets to hear, um, tell me about your company. Now, again, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if lots of listeners out there know and own some of your games, but if you were to pretend that somebody didn't have any idea what your company was all about, where does it come from? What do you make? Go for it.
1: Yeah, so we focus on uh, tabletop, tabletop games, Usually medium-weight Euro games, which means games that have high agency, high levels of player control over the choices they're making. There's still some luck, there's still some variability, but um, that is that is generally what we aim for in most of our games. Um, we are probably best known at this point for a game called Wingspan, which is a game that... So I design some of our games, but I also serve as a developer and bring in other designers for their amazing designs. And Wingspan is one of those designs. It was designed by um, Elizabeth Hargrave. And mm-hmm. so that's by far a bestseller. It's one that people may, may be aware of, even if they don't know that I exist or that my company exists. Uh, and below that is Scythe. Uh, Scythe is the, the our next bestselling game where if yeah. people may have also heard of that and may not have connected it to Stonemaier Games.
0: What was yeah. the impetus behind starting the company? Like, do you remember yeah. the day where you said to yourself, I really want to have a gaming company?
1: I don't know if it was exactly a specific day, but it it kind of happened over a period where I, it was a combination of two different things. One was I have been designing games my whole life just for fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also always had this dream of starting and running my own business. And I started to see back in like 2010, maybe 2011, I started to see some games on Kickstarter and I was this entrepreneurial side of me was fascinated by Kickstarter at the time. Um, and i thought you know what this is this is it this is my my chance i can i can design a game specifically to put on kickstarter to start a company and see what comes up it maybe it'll just be a hobby maybe it'll be a career and so i i went through a couple different games before i i found viticulture i'm actually where you can't your listeners can't see it but yeah. uh, we're in a viticulture inspired shirt right now so i designed this game viticulture specifically to put on kickstarter which happened in 2012 around this time in in, in 2012 yeah
0: right gotcha um so If you had to highlight a couple of your games that really Mm -hmm. showcase everything that your company is about, I know you already mentioned a couple titles, but like if you had to get rid of your whole catalog and you only had a couple left that really represent you, like which ones would those be, and like why?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. I know it's a tough one. I know. (laughs) So we, I mean, we've been around for eleven years, and we. It's, it seems like a lot of games, but over 11 years, we only have, I think, 15 games at this point, which mm-hmm. is a lot, but also means that we're only publishing one or two games every year. And so we, it, it's a hard, this question is particularly hard because I only pick projects that I'm really, really passionate about, whether it's a right. game that I'm designing or that someone else is designing. So it's really hard to cut. But if someone needed to start somewhere, to, if they need to start with like one or two games to see what the company, what types of games we publish... I think Wingspan is a pretty good example because we put so much time and and love into Wingspan. It it has good onboarding, uh, we talked about onboarding and accessibility a little bit today. Right. It has that. It has a lot of great choices. It also has a lot of great variability in this big deck of bird cards that you're going through. It has engine building. A lot of our games have this sense of progression as you're playing. So that's that's probably the marquee example at this point side as successful as it is may not even be the best example of this because it does mm-hmm. have some combat in the game and most of our games do not have direct or negative player interaction in the games we focus more on um passive player interaction or positive player interaction in our games
0: gotcha so going back yeah. to wingspan um yeah and again i know i tend to ask big questions but I mean, if you had to break a couple of like the key mechanics down, like just kind of giving a listener a sense of like how the game might work, what mechanics would you sort of highlight?
1: So Wingspan is a is a tableau building game, which means that over the course of the game, you are uh, gaining the materials, the food in this case, to play bird cards into your tableau, which is into this player map that you have. And on any given turn in in wingspan, you are generally either playing a bird onto that play mat into your tableau, or you are activating one of three rows where you get to gain a core benefit from that row, and then activate most of the birds that are in that row. So every time you play a bird, not only are you kind of improving that row of your player mat um, based on its core ability, but also you're adding this special bird ability to it. And so there's it just hits this really nice sweet spot of of the sense of progression where you are getting better and better every time you play a bird and the birds are beautifully illustrated. We, we focus a lot on art and, and design in our game. So, uh, you, you have this, even if you're not doing well in the game, hopefully you have built this beautiful array of birds by the end of the game.
0: Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like aesthetics are kind of important, uh, uh to you. Yeah. I mean, is that a fair,
1: fair point to make? Yeah, I, I, that's a huge part of, um, Of the tabletop experience, I think you're actually you know you're you're looking at things, you're picking up and touching things, and that uh, the the art, the graphic design, the components we select, all these contribute to um, to every game that we make. Like, do you you have a game that you played recently where you really noticed the art, like either the art or a a key component, really brought the game to life for you?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, off the top of my head, if I had to highlight a card game or a board game kind of i would highlight two actually um though i'm not going to be able to speak you know i'm not an expert on either of these but okay one would be sentinels of the multiverse have you ever Mm. played that game one of my favorite games yeah Yeah, one of my favorite games um in the sense that if we're talking about aesthetics the game is just aesthetically pleasing right like all of the artwork is like classic like old school comic book art so again and I, there is something I want to circle back to you for about your your response earlier, where you we were kind of talking about even if you're not winning, I would say the same thing like for Sentinels, like even if yeah. the villain is kicking your butt like all over the place, like you and your team. There's something that is just so pleasing about the way the cards look, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if it's not going well, like you can still kind of have like a good time, you know? So that's Absolutely. definitely, that's definitely one game that I would really, really highlight. Um the other one I would say too would be um Do an Imperium, which is a game yeah. that I recently played, like, that is an awesome game. Yeah. You know, that is one of those games. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like happens to me all the time. That's one of those games where after a night of playing that it's like hard to go to sleep because you're thinking Mm -hmm. about how you would do it next time.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like with that game, what I really liked about that again, if we're talking about aesthetics, just strictly aesthetics, you know, it's one of those games where you've got um, an awesome board that is really, really pleasing to the eye. And it's also pleasing like in an organizational sense. Like again, yeah. at being a teacher, it's almost like looking at a good lesson plan, you know, and it's just so organized and you know where you're gonna go when you've got like little bits in that plan where if something doesn't work, you can go another direction. I would say the same thing about Dune, where it's like not only is the board just really structured well, but it's like that structured also connects to planning because it's like there's so mm-hmm. many different ways that you can win. Uh, or so many different ways that you can implement some kind of strategy to win the game, you know? So I would say those two would definitely be highlights, you know, for me at least, you know? Yeah, I
1: I agree with both of those, absolutely. Yeah,
0: probably a long-winded answer, but, you know, I always say being long-winded on this podcast, never a bad thing, (laughs) you know? Um, Okay, so thinking about your company, right? So I feel like the, you know, viewers out there, listeners out there probably have a good sense now of, Um, what's kind of important to you guys. I mean, it it also sounds like you're not putting out a million games a year like other companies. It really does sound like if you're putting it out, it's because you believe in it, which is a really, really awesome thing to hear. So I guess kind of moving um, linearly a little bit forward, um, what is sort of like your plan moving forward just in terms of like the rest of 2023? So, I mean, do you guys have... More games that you know you're thinking of putting out, or maybe expansions to some of your other products, or what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, we usually plan around three years in advance, um, mm-hmm. and there, you know, we, we I try to stay open to to unexpected surprises along the way that we can that we can work on, but we have a game, so we're recording this on on a Monday at the end of August. um next Wednesday, we'll be announcing our second game of two thousand twenty three our second and Sweet. final game of, of this year, so I'm really excited to announce that game. Uh, We also have a few things that I have already announced, including we did a fun thing earlier in this year with Wingspan, where over the years, I've noticed that a lot of people have created their own bird cards, either designed their own bird cards for fun, or they've illustrated a bird that already existed. And Mm -hmm. so I put out a call earlier this year, at the beginning of this year, to artists, young and old, experienced and experienced, professional amateur, to create uh, an illustration for a bird that is already in wingspan. And we invited all these fan artists to submit their, their illustrations to us in any format that they wanted, they, any, any material uh, or any medium. And so we received hundreds of submissions. And so in the very near future, we're publishing this wingspan fan art pack which I have the first copy of my, in my my closet back here. Yeah. And it's just so charming to see the wide range of art from like little kids who are drawing a bird that they discovered in Wingspan or noticed in their backyard to really beautiful. Like, well, those are beautiful too, but really... Uh, I guess the type of art that someone would, would really pay for like that level of art is, yeah. is in the back as well. So I'm just I love Im- seeing that creativity. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I- I'm just imagining what it's going to be like for one of those folks who like made an illustration and all of a sudden they sort of see it come to life, not just come to life, yeah. but like come to life within your company. That would be amazing. Like you have to like, somehow I'm thinking like, I don't know like what kind of music you're into, but, and now by the way, again, we talk about controversy, nobody's more controversial than Roger Waters, right? From Pink Floyd. Now that said, though, keeping all his craziness aside. um, He did this thing long time ago when he did the wall tour, where he, um, he had, he was talking basically about like anti-war, you know, stances and things like that. And, I guess he had filmed that's coming home and like seeing their families for the first time. So all I could think about is like, if you could somehow make like a, a video montage of like when those folks like see their art published, that would
1: be, Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be I quite like that the highlight a reel, huh? You know? Yeah. I'll send invite people to do that. to, to uh, <laughs> It's super cool. To film you know? When they first see their card in print. Yeah. It's yeah. really neat. Wow. So it
0: sounds like you got a lot of, you know, things going on, like, you know, on the horizon, which is, which is definitely a good thing. Um, maybe not for your time though. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like and in that sense I'm just yeah. curious like what's the day in the life of a uh game company owner? What's that like? Like in terms of like just your everyday like normal sort of existence. What's that like? Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, so curious.
1: Yeah, so the, I I the first 4 hours of my day are mostly Uh, responding, like reacting to things, responding to emails and also some content creation, because I I maintain a game design YouTube channel and uh, Stillmeyer Games blog where I talk about entrepreneurship and crowdfunding, things like that. Um, So usually the the morning is devoted to those things. The afternoon, some of those things sometimes carry over. I have a lot of project management stuff that happens in the afternoon and sometimes uh, game development, uh, which is when I'm taking someone else's design and honing it or taking my own design and honing it and then if I get really lucky, uh, after dinner, I, I have around two hours where I can spend on just game design. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the game design gets pushed to the end of the day. And this is generally six or seven days a week. That's, that's what I do pretty much every day with lots of breaks or breaks to play games and things like that. But yeah, yeah that's my general schedule. That's a lot. <laughs> do you have anybody helping you or is it just literally you? <laughs> For a long time, it was just me. And that became too much at a certain point. Um, not... It was just me as a full-time employee. I do have a co-founder who was very helpful. But right. uh, now I do have some other full-time co-workers. I have a, a retailer relationship manager. I have a, a, a director of operations who handles distributors and localization partners. And uh, two people kind of on the customer service side. One for conventions and one for uh, customer questions and replacement right. parts and things like that. Yeah. Are you a most- wonderful team. Very lucky.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, look, any anytime- the word team, right? I mean, anytime you have a company that is as known and as successful as yours, I mean, what do they say? Like it, it's, you know, it doesn't take one person. It really takes like a group of people. So you clearly like yeah. have some, have some awesome people behind you. Um, do you, are like, do you go to most of the cons? Like, so Gen Con origins, like those, like, are
1: you, like, are you a fixture at those things? I am not personally a fixture at most of them. Yeah. I, um, if I don't, so I had this regular schedule that I just described to you. If I don't yes. do that, even for a day, I feel like I'm behind and that I have to yeah. catch up and that I've sacrificed certain things. And so I have not prioritized personally conventions, uh, either for attendance or as a marketing strategy over the years. There's right. one in, in St. Louis that I do attend called Geekway to the West. Uh, yep. I love Geekway. I love making time for that. I think Jeremy mentioned that on your recent podcast yep. episode, but uh, recently or la- uh, last year, uh, we hired someone to specialize in convention stuff for Stonewaller games. So yeah. we have a pretty big presence at Gen Con. We will have a presence at Essen Spiel this year, and we're exploring like Packs Unplugged and some other conventions. So yeah, it's, it's cool. something area where we need to grow because there, I think there are a lot of people that we're finding that do just show up at the convention. Like that's their access to discover games and hear about games. If they're not listening to the podcast or watching right. YouTube videos. That's their place. And so we want to be able to meet people in their place. and that's the place for some people will be there too.
0: Yeah. You know, on that note too, um, your company strikes me as so modern. And I say that with like the utmost sincerity, um, which is just like a really great thing because you have to be able to market yourself. And you seem to be really sort of touched into how to do that. Um, you know, in, in the world in which we live in. Right. Because again, like there's so many people that I can attribute this to a, or or connect this to a couple of different things, like the great band that can't market itself, right? Mm. Or frankly, the great game designer who like, I don't know, may, maybe for them, like just running like a homebrewed game for their friends is enough, but there's just so many interesting folks out there that are designing things, but not everybody's doing it the way you are, like in terms of marketing, you know? So kudos to you for that. And it sounds like you put a lot of time and thought into getting your sort of message. Maybe that's the right word out there.
1: Yeah, I mean for me it's all about connecting with people in different ways and yeah. and social media is great at that in in some ways uh and um yeah we uh, and like what I just mentioned with conventions a second ago, there are they're people who that's how they want to connect with us or how they want to connect with games. And we want to do a better job at that. But yeah, but you're right. Yeah. We, I, I, we use a lot of different resources to connect with people and create that sense of community so we can do a better job of bringing joy to tabletops around the world.
0: No, for sure. So Jamie, we're roughly um, at that sort of stopping point. And again, yeah. I just have to thank you again. Like, um, Maybe at some point I can bring you back on because there's so many of these topics that we can dig even more deeply into. But I think um, yeah. for audience members out there, for people listening to this pod, I feel like they are definitely going to have a better sense of your company um, now that you have come on and kind of chatted with us about everything. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate um, the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for so much. sure. Can I ask you one more question? Of course, of course. You know, it's not going to be a long-winded or a tough one. On the note of those folks out there that are um, designing games, right? Mm -hmm. what would a piece of advice be for folks like that coming from an entrepreneur like yourself? If somebody Mm -hmm. really did want to get out there and put a product out, what are some of the things that you might recommend for them to do to really kind of get their game out there and get their message out about whatever they find important about a game?
1: Yeah, I mean, focus on the, focusing on the self-publishing side of that question rather than the design side of it, um, I do. So, even though that my company has moved away from crowdfunding as a way to start a new product, or uh, I still do recommend it. I think crowdfunding is a great approach to that. And so, for anyone who is looking at that and is considering that, I would recommend backing some projects if you haven't already, because even if, even just for dollars, that you can follow those projects along and see what they do. That is engaging. And see also what they what those creators are doing that is frustrating. So you can learn from that experience. I think that's a big part of it. And then to get the word out there, I I believe in um, I guess the the building a sense of community rather than over like paying for ads. Uh, yeah. ads are something that we are exploring a little bit more. We want to do better at that. I think that is one way to reach people, but. Rather than kind of just blasting people with information when it comes time to tell them about your game, instead of doing that, join some of these online communities that are already talking about games now like there's there's board game Geek, which is like the platform for board games, but there's also a lot of the little different Facebook groups where people love talking about games. Join those communities not to promote yourself but rather just to be a part of the community. and over time, I think it'll probably come up organically that you are also working on a game, and that's okay. But kind of leading with that sense of um generosity and community rather than Here's this thing that I want you to buy. I think that ends up reaping much better benefits for everyone in the long run. That's the approach that I've tried to take, and that I've tried to instill in others.
0: And the advice you just gave, you can. Tol- I can totally see it in your company, which is, you know, yeah. awesome. Like, you know, you're not you're practicing what you preach. I think which is great about you know the advice that you just gave the teacher and me can yeah. can see that you know <laughs> um Jamie thank you so much for doing this like i said um if somebody wants to reach out to you or if somebody wants a little bit more information about your company or even wants to buy a game um, yeah. Do you have any places that you would recommend somebody go to kind of seek you out? Not in a creepy way, of course, but you know what I mean. <laughs> huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, the hub for anything Stomayer Games related is com. There you can see all of our games. You can see the blog that I mentioned about entrepreneurship. You can see links to the YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube and Instagram are often where I talk about games from other publishers. So if you just want to learn about game design or what gets me excited about games, you can see all that there. There's a lot of other little links. We also have a retailer locator. So if you want to support your local game store to get one of our games, we have a locator to show you which retailers uh, at least directly carry our games. All righty. Jamie.
0: For the third time, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you and, so much. Yeah. Alrighty, and for audience members, for listeners, um, like I said at the beginning, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's Twenty Sided Gamified Podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org My Instagram handle is hmgs underscore nextgen underscore Inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.